Live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. Yep, Silver 7's here on Thursday, 277 with the happy hour. That's on uh, select beers and well drinks, shots, margaritas. Good stuff. Great place. Flamingo in paradise. You sign up for A-Play. Uh, now you're in the running for a 4th of July shirt giveaway. That's uh, on the 4th, 1.30 to 4.30. Uh, they've also got a cruise giveaway. Come on down for details on that one. And then there's great specials upstairs in the restaurant, like the 777 Jumbo Shrimp Cocktail. Throwback stuff. That's why we love it here at Silver 7's. It's time for The Three, presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at 877-700-NOVA. You know, we forget about it for 364 days, but for one day a year, it's worth celebrating. Bobby Bo Day. Bobby Bonilla Day. Every July 1st, he gets another payment from the New York Mets. When is this thing ever going to end? I feel like he played when I was 12 years old. Not quite. But he got $1.193 million again today. This goes all the way through... 2035, he'll be 72 when he gets his final payment. What a deal this guy made. Uh, you know, things went south. He didn't produce. He was actually still pretty good. It's funny. And a lot of the, you know, the good moments were the Pirates. Uh, but he was such a, a Ballyhood signing and then, you know, kind of a brash guy in the New York media is obnoxious, so they clashed. Guy was a six-time All-Star, uh, three-time Silver Slugger winner. Um, you know, didn't, wasn't popping, you know, 29 and. 120 with the Mets, but was still pretty productive. But the Mets wanted to dump him, and uh, they worked out a deal. Instead of paying him 5.9 million that he was owed in his final year, they're like, "Yeah, you know, we'll give you 1193 until 2035." So he's going to wind up getting almost 30 mil when they could have just paid him off and gotten him out of there for six. And I believe he's also getting deferred payments like 500 thousand dollars a year from the Orioles, <laughs> which people never remember. That's awesome. But the the reason the the Mets deal is so you know famous or notorious, obviously, is because I mean, it's funny, as you pointed out, like the amount of money they're giving him compared to what they owed him. But at the same time, the Mets were in the middle of being scammed when this happened. So they, you know, they were part of the whole pyramid scheme that was going on. They were getting supposedly double-digit returns on all their investments. And so they were like, man, we're going to get so much money over the next 30 years. It's much easier to just pay them off this way. And we're going to have so much money, it's not even going to matter. And in the end, they were being duped. They lost a bunch of money instead of made a bunch of money. And now they're in this ridiculous spot of making these payments. Uh, also, you know, I noted that Bobby Bonilla is also getting money from the Orioles. A bunch of players are still getting deferred money. It's not just Bobby Bonilla. Like, Ken Griffey Jr. gets a payment every year. Uh, where he, he got a bunch of payments through... Uh, 2019, even though it wasn't playing, he was getting like three or four million a year. Uh, Manny Ramirez is getting paid by the Red Sox through 2026. Like he's still getting paid by them. Brett Saberhagen, what? Two hundred and fifty thousand a year until 2029. All right. Uh, Todd Helton, uh, he's getting uh 13.1 total over 10 years which started in 2014 through 2024 matt holiday is getting paid through 2029 yeah it, there's a ton of these players that are getting a, a you know a bunch of money for uh, for a long time 
It's so funny how much the Mets fans hated Bobby Bonilla and the media. Uh, he comes over from the Pirates where he was basically a like a 25-100 guy. His years for the Mets, he was, this is homers and RBIs. He was 19-70, and 34-87, and 20-67, and 28-99 and as he combined with the Mets and the Orioles. It really wasn't that far off from what he was doing, but, man, he could not get along with the New York media. They were, you know, it was just battles all the time, and they bailed him out of town. Now, Steve Cohen, the new owner, is actually embracing it, having a Bobby Bonilla day with some promotions. Are Mets fans mature enough to actually embrace this and not be continue to be a-holes towards the guy? I mean, I think, I mean, I think it's, it's probably enough time has passed that you can, you can do it. I'm sure they're frustrated, and, and part of probably what they were sold is, hey, oh, it's tough. Can't put a competitive team on the field when you're paying guys millions of dollars from the past. Like, he had nothing to do with their issues, uh, so you'd hope they get past it. I, I, I think it's probably, it's probably a decently smart move to to embrace it and to, you know, celebrate it. Like it seems like Cohen wants to do, but at the same time, like you, I feel like you don't get to do that. Like you are a laughing stock. We're going to continue laughing at you. You can't own this. You but it, was, but it, it wasn't. Own. It wasn't his know, decision. It it's not. It wasn't his team at the time. Well, I know. It's still the franchise, and, and I, I. I mean, I guess. That's the way. That's almost a way of saying like, "Ha, huh, we'll all laugh together at the former, uh, you know, brain trust here." Right. Uh, but I, I don't know. Like when you when you turn something around that's so, you know, looked at so negatively, and you're a laughing stock about, it's all, it's always like, "All right, good try." I, maybe it'll well, work. Bobby Bonilla and his reps smart because uh, who wouldn't like to get a a check for you know almost one point two million every year after they're done working all the way through 72. That's uh, 72 years old. That's freaking awesome. Uh, speaking of financial acumen, NIL is open now. Name, image, likeness, so college players can go out and sell their wares. Uh, right now, as the rules stand, it's really not in partnership with the school, although the schools, I've seen several of them, like Wisconsin and my school, uh, Rutgers, actually have a go-between that's going to work with the athletes to get them deals or at least give them advice on how to get deals. And, like, right out of the gates last night, there were a bunch of players who had, like, a sponsored IG post. There were others that actually uh, landed deals. Uh, one of them, it's actually two of them, actually in the conference, in the Mountain West Conference, twin female basketball players at Fresno. Yeah, massive followings on social media. Uh, they flew to New York to sign some deals uh, late last night. They got to sign them right at midnight and uh, put them into uh, put them into effect. Oh no! Uh, and I'm sure it's going to be even more. What's the first thing you think of with the Cavender sisters and the money they're going to make? Oh, the Gonzalez twins. Yep. Yep. I mean, it's, they are the second coming of the Gonzalez twins. Of and and we're going to see everything that the Gonzalez twins could have done um, at you know if they were still able to stay in school. Wow. Remember, they had to leave a year a year early so they could start making money. And yeah, they would have been able to do it. I'm sorry, I'm cutting you off. No, you're good. Uh, Haley Cavender, one of the Cavender sisters, 258,000 followers. So, uh, Just wait for the deal that Olivia Dunn does. Who's that? LSU gymnast. Yeah, a lot of bathing suit pictures with the Cavender sure. twins. Eh, hey, whatever. Whatever's marketable if you want to do it. Olivia Dunn on TikTok, 4 million followers. She is going to be rich. I wonder if I've seen her before. Uh, How can I miss anyone on TikTok? I'm on there every night. It's a fair point. Um, she's, I mean, she's got a great account. Certainly a very attractive young lady, and that helps. But wow, I, I right also now. almost four million views. Yeah. And last video, eh, 
kind of eh, it's, it's okay. One point nine million views. Uh, three <laughs> three videos back, four point nine million views. Yeah, as she does a failed, multiple failed backflips on the beach. Oh, I could watch this all day. I would pay for this. <laughs> People are. Going I'm kidding. To. I wouldn't. People are going to. But That's that doesn't mean there's not an audience for it. Yeah, for sure. And good for her. And then these these are the examples of people who, you know, of people who could be making money, right? And forging their future while they're 18, 19, 20, 21. And there's, there shouldn't not, or there shouldn't be anything wrong with that. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. It's good, to, it's good when you're in college to start looking forward, setting up your career, and be enterprising, be entrepreneurial. You, you mentioned a couple of schools that are already embracing it and having like the, you know, kind of liaisons and trying to work it out. Good luck competing with LSU. As I, as I, just, I just mentioned this gymnast, Olivia Dunn, who's right. got 4 million followers. Did you see the video that LSU put out today referring to themselves as NILSU? Oh, really? With a video narrated by Jamal Adams that's basically like, let's go. Let's go. Yep. Come to, like, you're going to make money in well, this school. This, I mean, we, we know if they have smart people around them, around the school, or they're working with, um, the Power 5 schools should do really well. But I'm telling you, the opportunity is there for creativity where the have-nots can become haves for their athletes. Their athletes can become haves at a have-not program. You get what I'm saying? Well, I mean, you just mentioned the, the Cavender twins at Fresno State. Fresno State. And now the, the question will be, because I you're right to a certain extent, like somebody can make money from anywhere. Um, but if you are now if you are the Cavenders, would you ever go to Fresno State? Or are you like, hey, I'll go be the I'll go be the twelfth man on the bench, twelfth woman on the bench at LSU, uh, LSU yeah. and make way more there than I would as a star player at Fresno State. One thing I mentioned in the conversation with Xavier Pope, and we want to get to Reggie Bush. You know, my recollection is Reggie Bush, some of the problems were the family got a house. And that happens all the time. It's not sure. what was the movie with Nick Nolte? Blue Chips. Right? So like that stuff happens all the time. Got a what, what's going to keep developers in every area of the country who have ties to programs, you know, here in Vegas? It's like, hey, so and so is endorsing KB Homes. Here's a house. What's going to keep them? It's encouraged, I would imagine. <laughs> you know, but like that stuff that used to be looked at. I mean, the, the famous Eric Dickerson story of you know Texas A&M sending him a Trans Am, and he just laughed about it. He's like. He's like, I wasn't going to Texas A&M. In the end, I was going to SMU. Like, what'd you do with the car? I kept it. Sure. Like, now that can be on the up and up. Yeah, although you know, I, I Ted, still... Ted's Pontiac. I don't know what it's going to be like in recruiting. I mean, this is when you're at the school. I mean, you're not going to lose eligibility, but will schools be punished for... I, I don't... I, again, I don't know. The, literally, this started I, 12 hours ago. I don't think there's any way to police it. That part of it. not. Like the, the notion is, hey, the school isn't directly involved, but come on. Of course. They don't have to be. They, they never really necessarily were anyway. It was, oh, what, what did we have to do with it? He got a car? How did we know? Now it's, it's a fair game. The open season. Uh, up next, let's talk to a former college athlete and one of the voices of the Run Rebels on radio. Curtis Terry will give us his opinion on what's going on uh, early on here and the possibilities with name, image, and likeness changing college sports across the board. Nova Home Loans brings you the three. It's a refi raid at Nova Home Loans. With interest rates at all-time lows, now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer. 877-700-NOVA. 
it is wide open. The NCAA rule essentially says if you're in a state that has a state law, of course you have to follow it. But if you're in a state that does not have one or maybe has one that doesn't go into effect for a couple of years, then individual institutions will make the rules. And we're starting to see those rules come in from schools this week. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver Sevens, it's Cofield and Company. Christy Dosh, sports big expert for uh, Forbes on ESPN National. It's wide open. Stage roll. It's crazy. I can't wait to see what happens these first couple of years. Our, uh, our good friend Jared from the station was just making a joke on Twitter, but it actually made me think. He uh, He's offering players like $9 a week to come to UNLV now on Twitter. It's a joke, but at the same time, like, yeah, can fan bases just start GoFundMe's and start paying guys to come? I would say that's outrageous. I don't know. I think they can. I don't know. This is Bobby Bo Day. It should be forever known as Dabo Sweeney Retirement Day. Yeah, he's done. He said back in 2014, paying the players ain't for him. If that happens, he's going to move on to do something else. What's he going to do? Uh-oh. Today's the day. <laughs> Uh-oh. He's going to bail out of that 10-year, $92 million contract, right? A uh, guy who played college basketball, and I'm sure is thinking back to his playing days and you know maybe some of the monies that could have been made, is Curtis Terry. Curtis joins us every week. Curtis, of course, played for the running Rebels and is now one of the voices of the Rebels on radio. Curtis, how you doing, buddy? Steve, Adam, I'm doing good, guys. How are you guys? We're good. Our heads are spinning, though. Uh, this, this stuff is crazy, and it, it is – it is worth noting that there are lots of coaches around the country who said, uh, you know, I'm completely against players making money while they're uh, playing on my team. And now they've a lot of those guys have to do have to reverse course because they, they're going to look like complete hypocrites. Uh, they couldn't stop this from coming. Yeah, no, I think it was just natural that these coaches were going to backtrack on all their statements and their comments before. Even if they wanted their guys to be able to, to profit off the name, image, and likeness, I don't think that their, their universities or institutions were going to be in agreement with them saying that uh, out in public and making those stances because the NCAA was so against it. But then now that it actually happened, it struck midnight, and, and here we are July 1st. Of course, this coach is going to backtrack on that um, and say they're all for it. Uh, like Dabo, is, he, he's, he's excited. He wants his guys to be able to benefit off that. Um, and I think where is he going to quit and go to is nowhere. He's just going to find himself back in the college football Final Four here again soon. Right. All right, so what's your general opinion on what you're saying here? Is this mostly going to be a good thing, or are there uh, some things with NIL that worry you? Uh, you know, I think, it's, I think it's going to be a good thing. I'm always for the players. I think uh, myself having been a college student athlete, I obviously got a lot of benefits and positives out of my experience. Um, I wouldn't trade it for the world. But from this standpoint, it's just going to help these guys kind of reap the rewards for all the work that they put in the blood, sweat, and tears or the long practices, the hours, the injuries, and them not being able to really to get anything off that pile of money that they generate. So from this standpoint, it's good for them. But the, one, the one concern I have, and I think it's going to be like this, is the guys that are at the top of the ladder, the top of the food chain, they're going to be perfect. They're going to get their, their endorsements. They're going to get these deals. They're going to be fine. But you're going to get guys on teams um, that aren't going to get as much minutes, that aren't as marketable, that aren't going to really reap any benefits from that. And the one thing I hope that doesn't stir within college programs is, is any animosity between teammates because one guy has this deal or um, he's doing a commercial or he does this shout-out on social media and his teammates aren't. I just hope that doesn't kind of filter, filter into the locker rooms and, and get some guys having some animosity towards their teammates because they're not 
they're not able to to have as much success off the court financially as some of their some of their peers. That's a great point, and we hadn't brought that up. Uh, that's why we lean on you. You were in the team environment. Um, I don't want to bring up individual individual names, but I mean there there have been running rebel teams that were splintered because there were two power players on a team. And imagine if now there's money involved and one's making a lot more money than the other. Um, yeah, that's something that coaches are definitely going to have to deal with. Even even Curtis, I'll ask you like if you know companies and local companies start doing endorsements based on like oh who's the best player who's got the best stats now you're like all right you're not calling plays for me you're the coaches like running the offense through you like give me the ball i need to score so i can make money hmm. right then, then it goes to that whole point guys being selfish and saying well i got to get mine uh not for the team to win but so i can get some dollars off the court uh improve my draft stock it used to be the purpose right now it's going to be so i can i can have some some income in the community because so i can get this endorsement with this local company or whatever the case may be, that's where things are going to start to shift. And I think the, the schools and the programs and universities that are going to be ahead of that and are going to kill that from even creeping in the locker room are the ones that are going to set their student-athletes up to be successful and for them all to be able to try to benefit off of this, this new uh, legislation that's going to pass in terms of the NIL. Because if they have something set up to where they have a platform they can go out and they can help them kind of source these, these different in, endorsement opportunities, then I think that'll even the playing field within their, each program, respectively, and on campus. Otherwise, it's going to be a free for all. And I think, like here in Vegas, you're going to this thing could go a, a bunch of different ways. Yep. But hopefully, it, it's not to who's the popular guy, who's the guy that gets most points, because and that's going to play into recruiting. And I know coaches have talked about this is what we're going to mix into our recruiting pitch, and these are the kind of companies that we work with, and we can kind of put together this NIL package for you and introduce you to these people. So the thing could get very, very messy if they do not try to blanket this in terms of some. Some structure um, and some guidelines over how to operate within it. Otherwise, it's going to get messy when everybody's going to be professionals, which is fine. But then I think from that standpoint, uh, college athletics might just blow up. Well, it's, there, there's, some, there's going to be some real-world lessons in this whole thing because I was just thinking back to last year's roster, and if I were a businessman and I'm like, hey, I need – and it depends on what kind of deals. I mean, it, it might just be, hey, the player's image is tied to your business. Um, if I looked at last year's team – and I was like, hey, I want a couple of pitchmen, right, who are going to be good out front repping my business. I may have gone to David Jenkins and Marvin Coleman. Now, Marvin got hurt. But, you know, again, that like how does that affect the team dynamic when other guys on the team maybe aren't getting that kind of money? But I also think it's a real-life lesson, Curtis, that, um, you know, everyone can take from, hey, you know what, you got to be a good communicator. you got to be good around people. Um, and, the, and these are things that are going to actually benefit Every athlete, once they get into the real world, yeah, they're going to get a, going to get a slap of adulthood in the face real quick right. in terms of how they got to operate, um, how to finance and, and budget their money, um, and and what happens when something goes south, or if yeah. you do if you do get a deal taken back from you, and you're not going to get those dollars that you thought you were going to get. Um, and then you got to balance your checkbook. I mean, real life lessons are going to come to these guys quick and fast, uh, and so I think, like I said, the, the university institutions that put something in place for these kids to have something to fall back on, and not just from the perception of it, like we did something for our guys. No, that where they actually have boots on the ground to help these kids to navigate, those are going to be the schools that are going to be successful and truly help their student-athletes uh, maximize off this. Otherwise, it's going to kind of be lip service, and, and these kids are going to be left out there to defend for themselves with all these sharks that are going to now be in the water. A real hot topic on social media today. Looking back, you know, say like the last 30, 40 years, the most popular teams out there, the most marketable teams, and uh, folks are asking, you know, who would have made the most off NIL in the past? Maybe not individuals, uh, but, yeah, there were individuals on the team as well. Um, 
I wonder who could have made more money, the Fab Five or the uh, LJ running the Rebels. And keep in mind, one of the first guys who really pushed back on this was Greg Anthony, who simply wanted to work his T-shirt business because he was in an entre- entrepreneurial mind when he was you know, very young. I wonder who would have been bigger in terms of making money off of their brand. It, and that's interesting because I know there's been, like you said, there's been a lot of talk of it on, on social media, like which, which athletes do you think would have made the most money or who would have the best deals? Um, I, I think the one key thing you've got, you've got to use to keep this in, I mean, within perspective is the big thing that's going to make this huge is social media. And so back in the day, we get the Fab Five um, and, and LJ and those great teams from the Rebels and across college basketball, even Grant Hill and those Duke teams, there was no social media. And that's going to be the driving force behind all of this to be able to get brands out in front of multiple sets of eyes um, across the country and across the world that's going to make these dollars be able to, to flow in. And so uh, I think without that, otherwise you're thinking, well, we generated all this money for the university. We should get a cut of that. Yes, but that's different than what this is going to be. This is going to be what you're able to generate on your own. Um, and I think social media is the big driving force between that. And so I think the first person that pops in the mind uh, for me that was really kind of when the social media era was starting was Reggie Bush. I think Reggie Bush, Vince Young, um, those college football players right there in terms of the things that they were doing on the field, and that's when Facebook was really starting to come about. Twitter, obviously, was a couple years after that. Then things really started to blow up. So, like, guys like Jimmer Fredette, he would have had college basketball on fire. He probably would have made a ton of dough. Uh, So I think it's it's very selective, but I think that's the driving force behind this. Otherwise, those guys that played, like, in the 70s, 80s, 90s, nothing against them, but it's just it would have been so much harder to maximize on it because it would have been so local. Who would have been able to see you in your region, in your network, in your market? Curtis Terry's with us. Uh, you know, we were talking, we were also reacting to social media off of CP3 and the uh, Suns' victory last night going to the NBA Finals. There was that weird moment at the end where Pat Bev knocked CP3 to the ground, and whether guys were stunned or maybe they made a conscious decision to not help up and rush over to CP3, we were kind of breaking that down. I, I wonder, you know, from what you've heard, what is Chris Paul like as a teammate? And we're not just talking on the floor because he's obviously a winner and raises the level of everyone. What is he like as a teammate? You know, it, it, is, it is unfortunate that Pat does it. He mostly get the best of him uh, because people have been talking about he's a dirty player. I honestly don't think he's a dirty player. I think he toes the line and just plays the game a lot harder than 99% of the people out there that play the game. And so they think it's, it's dirty. I think he's just very physical, very competitive. And the fact that what he had to do to get to the league and to be able to stick wasn't you know, the cupcake route as these first-round draft picks a la Chris Paul. Uh, from that standpoint, obviously what he did was totally unacceptable. But with CP3 and what he does on the court, he clearly elevates the play of his teams. The one knock that's been on him is he's not a winner. He's really never gotten to the top of the mountain. Now he's been able to do it with this group, and he was kind of the piece to fit in the puzzle to make it all connect together. But there's also been many reports and people saying that he, he's a tough teammate to have to play with. Uh, because in terms of accountability, it's not necessarily all across the board. Um, it's a lot about me, me, me sometimes. Uh, and so you, you can pick and choose and sit back and play Monday morning quarterback. But from this standpoint, I think with Chris Paul, he's definitely, as they're saying now, you got to give him his flowers, let him have his moment. Uh, but I still think they, they're going to have to to play a really good series here in the NBA Finals, whether they see the Hawks, uh, who can who can catch them off guard, or the Bucks if they make it there, because I think the Bucks even with Giannis down, have a really complete team. And Giannis being down, I think maybe is going to give them an advantage. Curtis, are we reading too much into it to say nobody rushed to help Chris Paul from his team and nobody went after Pat Bev? So clearly Chris Paul is not very well liked. Uh, I mean, you could say that, right, Adam? I don't know. But then there's, <laughs> there's some people in the league to where you're like, I'm not rushing him back. 
Um, I think he's one of those guys, right? Like, like uh, Ron Artest is one of those guys. You're not, nope, I don't want no part of that. I think Pat Bev is one of those guys to where he's a little crazy, but kind of crazy like you want him on your team, but you hate to play against him. And I, and I honestly, I don't think that, I don't think that the, um... Oh, no. I think we lost him. The, All the right. Chris Paul cut off Curtis's phone. That was it? <laughs> yeah. Typical Chris Paul. <laughs> well, uh, we'll hook up with Curtis next week. So I hope Curtis has a good 4th of July weekend. Uh, we're getting to the uh, halfway point of the show, by the way. We're out at 5.30 tonight for the Bucks and the Hawks. Uh, a little later in the show, we're going to get the coach's perspective on what NIL means. We're going to get a lot of coaches on, but we're going to talk to former UNLV coach Tony Sanchez in just a little bit as he's heading down to uh, TCU to be on that staff. So, uh, that's on the way in just a little bit. But uh, John Clayton up in about 20 minutes, one of the deans of the uh, NFL insider group, and he'll tell us what the heck went down today around the football team as they got a $10 million fine from the league. The phone lines are open, and we want to hear from you. Call 702-364-1100 and tell us what's on your mind. Grabbed by Suzuki. Caulfield wanted to shoot him. Puts it to the net. They score! The puck was sent through by Suzuki. A dribbler beats Vasilevsky. A power play goal. The Habs are on the board. It's 1-1. Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook Inside Silver 7s with Cofield and Company. Adam Hill is here, Silver 7s. All right, Adam. Well, I mean, last night's game is like so many that we saw with the Golden Knights where Golden Knights were dominant, you know, in terms of shots. Last night, uh, Canadians were like, what, 43-23? Very motivated. Andre Vasilevsky maybe feeling like he got screwed for the Vesna. It's like, I'm going to stop everything that comes my way. He did. You heard that goal, but that was it. Hey, Ari, do me a favor. Pull up the goal at the end of the... Second period, because this is another, this is so crushing. And we saw this happen to the Golden Knights in the playoffs. You're playing out the clock. Things are just about done. You're in that mindset like, all right, we're going to go to the third period. We've outplayed them, but it's an even game. And then you get this freaking miraculous play from the Lightning. Good drove, maybe one last chance. Centers, scores! Point three seconds. I mean, it's nuts. It's so deflating. It's, it's so much bigger than just a goal because, as you said, the Canadians were playing better. They were the better team on the ice for most of the game. And you, you're just thinking, like, all right, tie game, going to the final 20. Basically, one goal wins it. So we're kind of starting overtime a little bit early here. And all we got to do is survive these last, you know, five, six seconds. And then all of a sudden, you get a rush, a goal. And the whole complexion of the game changes. It's nuts. And, that, it, and the goal, by the way, the goal itself was unreal. As you heard, Coleman, he tremendous. he's like he's diving because he knows there's no time and he can't really get around the corner. He dives, reaches out a stick, and is like flick. Ridiculous. Uh, insane. It was, it was an incredible goal and and um, one that you know had to kind of play out perfectly for Tampa to get it, and they got it. And you know they have seized control of the series and and uh appear well on the verge go get a split in montreal and then you've taken control of the series completely uh they've got a good chance to do that and and a chance to you know look at back-to-back titles in the nhl which is a very tough thing to do with how crazy the playoffs are 
What if you're 17 mil over the salary cap? Does that help? Oh, you're going to pay the price eventually. <laughs> but they but they want the cop if they yeah, if they do cares? it. Yeah, who cares? It's weird, isn't it? In the NHL, we talk about all the time that you know you're you know you're sacrificing the future. So if you do those things in all sports, you better you better win because you're gonna you're going to pay the price at some point. But you'll take that trade if you win a title, especially two titles. Should I be getting down on Montreal now plus nine hundred to win the series, or just not worth it? I mean, you can. I, I wouldn't. That's what I was asking. No, I, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't do it. I mean, I thought Tampa was was the play beginning. We talked about I I wanted uh, Montreal to win the first game so I can get a good price on Tampa because I right. think Tampa was definitely going to win the series. No but dice, no chance. This part of the show is brought to you by our friends. At Battleborn Injury Lawyers, you may not need an attorney today or even tomorrow, but when the situation arises, that's the time. You need someone you can trust. We trust Justin Watkins, Matt Hoffman, and the rest of the crew at Battleborn Injury Lawyers. Uh, Justin has been part of the Cofield & Company crew for uh, nine-plus years now, and you know that we don't just let jabronis on. And in this case, this is really important stuff. Uh, we trust these guys at Battleborn Injury Lawyers with all of our important legal issues. 570-9000 is the number if you're uh, not happy with your current attorney, not seeing the case move forward. It's also a good time to call Justin at 570-9000. Any questions, that's the number. Save it. 570-9000 with Battleborn Injury Lawyers. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Obviously, I love Derek to death. we got a, a great friendship and um, we still communicate really, really consistently. He's one of my one of my best friends. So um, obviously, it'd be a dream uh, to be able to play with him. But uh, you know, I'm a Packer now. So uh, until that point uh, where we make that decision, I guess we just gotta we'll see what happens. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver Sevens, it's Cofield and Company. Boy, that Fresno station. That, by the way, that was Devontae Adams talking about Derek Carr in response to Carr saying he was going to recruit Devontae Adams when he had a chance to. That Fresno station, ABC 30, got a lot of attention this week because yeah. football is uh, you know a little bit slower this time of year. So that was one of the big stories of the week. Real quick note, uh, no Trey Young. No Trey Young tonight, officially out. Woj, Malika Andrews reporting uh, no Trey Young out for Atlanta against the Bucks. I just got down on the Bucks here at William Hill, minus two and a half. So we'll okay. see if that moves at all now that Trey Young's officially out. Let's talk some NFL. One of the deans of uh, NFL Insiders, we love the guy. John Clayton's doing work for 710 in Seattle, has a podcast. Uh, just saw some of his stories up at the fan in Denver. John, how are you? Doing well. How are you guys? We're fired up. We're fired up to have you on. And uh, this is not a happy story, but I want you to tell the Vegas audience what happened to the uh, Washington football team today. Big fine. And, uh, you know, give them the backstory of why the NFL came down so hard. Well, in fact, it's funny because, I mean, the reviews right now are not very good, particularly from the people in the organization who have participated, some people outside, and it's not being reviewed very well because they think it's a little bit too light. Mm. But uh, what ended up happening is, and one thing we know in the NFL, and I think it's going to be the same thing uh, in a different story with the uh, Denver Broncos, they don't like to break up the team. They're not one in the NFL to make an owner sell, but certainly you know, what they did and had a big, long statement about that is that uh, they, they said that uh, it was just horrible if you're going to be a woman working in there because there's sexual harassment, there's bullying, there's intimidation, all those different things. And they interviewed more than 150 people who either worked there or are currently working there. 
And so they finally came to the conclusion that it's like, okay, uh, Dan Snyder did start to try to clean things up in the last year and a half, uh, firing some people, trying to get you know, more diversity through the building and trying to make it better. And then even uh, earlier this week, he ended up appointing his wife as a CEO of the club. And so, uh, you know, that, that got him off. But what is upsetting a lot of people is that uh, they're not putting out the report of what happened. I mean, the report is sealed, and it doesn't look like that's going to come out. Uh, a lot of people think $10 million is not enough. Uh, but, of course, the $10 million is going to be invested in education for the people in the building, for, you know, caring for people and not doing what's happened in the past. But uh, it's, it's one where it's not being reviewed very well uh, across the country. But, again, I think that uh, it's a typical type of thing with the NFL in the case that, uh, you know, they're not going to make you sell the team. They're just going to try to make things right. And Dan, at least to some degree, tried to make things right in the last uh, year and a half. There was another set of fines that came down today to the Jags, the Niners, the Cowboys hit for 100000 Coaches were hit for fifty and 100000 uh, with OTA violations. So do we have any idea, you know, uh, in general, what happened, what these coaches and teams were doing? Well, like in the case of Dallas, they had a uh, May 27th practice that got too physical. It was defensive backs going against the wide receivers and tight ends and all that stuff. That got too physical, and so they decided, okay, let's uh, – you know, we've got to ban that, and so you get the hundred thousand dollars against the team, fifty thousand against Mike McCarthy, and it looks like they lose. I think one one day of OTAs next year. Then you got Jacksonville, Urban Meyer in his first year, and this shouldn't be a surprise because uh, <laughs> getting too physical in a practice. Because right. again, you saw that at Ohio State, right. you saw it at the different schools that he's been with. So uh, they get two hundred thousand dollars in the fine, and of course, I think it was fifty to a hundred thousand dollars on Urban Meyer. And then in San Francisco, I mean, you know the disaster that they had uh, because they had the one practice on that Monday uh, where you had uh, an ACL tear and you also had a, a Achilles tear. And so two guys went down for the season, but they thought that practice was too hard. And right afterwards, you know, Kyle Shanahan shut everything down for the last week. Uh, so they only had seven OTAs and they only had, uh, you know, no, no mini camp. But now we find out that the league ordered them to shut down the OTAs. So this is craziness. Well, you, you mentioned Urban Meyer there. Uh, how difficult of an adjustment is he facing uh, coming into the NFL? We already see him learning those lessons with OTAs, but how tough is this process? I think it's going to be very tough because, again, if you go back to two, 2000, year 2000, there's been uh, 12 pure college coaches. And I'm not talking about Pete Carroll, who's been in the NFL, or Jim Harbaugh, who played in the NFL and coached quarterbacks in the NFL. I'm talking about pure college coaches. And of the 12, there's only been one that had a winning record, and that's Chip Kelly. And I don't know if you want to say Chip was a great success in the league because I don't think he was. And so that's going to be a, a, a tough learning curve all the way through. I mean, you can see you know, he already got him safe. It's like he totally ignored Black Lives Matter, which is very important to the players right now, when he ends up hiring a coach who was fired from another school and had, uh, because of uh, racial comments that he made. And he, you know, he immediately fired uh, the person after he hired him. But again, I mean, he, there's so many things that you don't know as a college coach coming into the NFL, and I think it's going to be a constant learning curve. So we talk about some of the fines coming in for OTAs. There also could be some discipline coming the way of the Steelers. What is going on with this David DeCastro situation, and, and what did they do uh, last year to that might have themselves in trouble? Well, I think they had him on the injury report with a knee injury, and because uh, I know he missed games, <clears throat> but uh, as it turns out. 
he's now awaiting his third ankle surgery. And so uh, I don't think there's I don't think there's anything that is going to happen, but it could. But uh, you know, David is you know getting older right now. He looks like he's thinking about retiring. But uh, here's a good player, six-time Pro Bowler, made Pro Bowl six years in a row, and now it looks like uh, his career is at a junction where you don't know if it's going to be able to continue. Crazy to uh, crazy story to monitor for sure uh, what's going on there. Well, uh, John, you've been doing this a long time. Did you ever think that you'd be talking about a football team in Las Vegas? Uh, no, I didn't, <clears throat> particularly the way the NFL is. And see, I understand going back as far as I do, <clears throat> starting to cover the league when I was 17 years old uh, <clears throat> in 1972, you had, particularly through the uh, late 70s and 80s, a lot of things that were cropping up as far as gambling because the gamblers were trying to uh, go in and you know get the officials to be involved and players to be involved so there's a lot of that and because of that there was such an animosity to trying to have vegas involved but then fortunately and honestly i credit the uh, ncaa basketball people for you know having so many tournaments in vegas right. it cleaned things up and it gave the opportunity for vegas to uh, you know get pro teams and do all those things and I think now you can see what they're talking about, which is, you know, typical NFL, is that, you know, the franchise values are going to go up so much because of all the tie-ins to gambling that, you know, they're thinking that, uh, you know, franchises will be worth 8 to $9 billion. Well, let's talk about that and uh, and build towards uh, what we're reading on the, the fan site in uh, 104 The Free The Fan in Denver about uh, their ownership situation. Before we uh, jump ahead, first of all, talk about what's been going on with Pat Boland's family and, like, mystery people showing up, and this thing is split in lots of different ways. Yeah, they've been fighting because of the sisters uh, going against the trust and trying to, you know, wrestle whether to sell the team or do whatever. And, uh, you know, they did reach a settlement this week. Nobody in town right now and nobody around the country knows what that settlement is. It's uh, you know, very held, held in great secrecy. But my read, and this is a read more than anything else, I could be 100% wrong, is that you know, they're going to you know, kind of keep the trust and maybe have one of the daughters, particularly Tiffany, you know, be, be the owner. Because, I mean, we've seen this now in several places. I mean, we've seen it in, uh, with the Ford family uh, in Detroit. We've seen it in New Orleans. We've seen it, uh, you know, we'll see it at other places, too. But I think there's a decent chance that you know, it's not going to be sold because I think that would be a disaster if they have to sell it because, again, it's such a cherished possession, and there's enough money there to make it all work. So, uh, But we're going to have to follow up. I guess the big thing is they at least reached a compromise, and now we'll know probably in the next month or two or in a short period of time how that ownership is going to sort out. Hey, we saw the same thing you know, with Bud Adams in uh, Tennessee. I mean, they, they battled for some time, and they finally came to an agreement. And so uh, you know, I, I think these things can work themselves out, and maybe in Denver it did. John Clayton is up on Cofield and Company. And listen, Business 101, you just said it. If teams could be worth, say, in five years, 8 to $10 billion, you're going to get a lot of money for the Broncos right now. Imagine what you can get in five years. Yeah, good question. I mean, because you know, you know revenue is going to go up, particularly with the new TV contracts starting in, in, in next year. And so uh, – that's in 2023, but that's going to help out. I mean, certainly the 17-game schedule is going to increase revenue. I mean, it took such a big dip this year because of the pandemic and going down to 182.5 as a floor, when really the revenue would have been 166 per team if you would just go in the old formula. And so now it's a matter that uh, you have the 17 games. Uh, they're saying that it could go as high as two, two, uh, 
a 208.5 next year hmm. as far as what the cap could be, uh, 208,000, 208,500,000. So it's going up, but uh, you know, I, I would have to think the plan has been to get the $25 billion for total revenue in the league by at least 2027, and certainly they're on pace to do that. Yeah, we've had some Denver media friends blowing us up saying that uh, Philip Anschutz could be the guy who would buy it you know, sooner than later because he just sold out of his 27% stake with the Lakers, and maybe the price would be you know, $4 billion. So I wonder where that's going to go, you know, again, if there are good offers if they do move on it. Oh, yeah, there's no question. I mean, <clears throat> right now, I mean, the projections are, well, Forbes has them at 3.25. The most recent sale was Carolina at 2.275, which was less than anybody expected. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, would, that, I wouldn't surprise me if he's going to be in on the bidding now. The question is going to be, do you want it out of the family or not? And certainly that's where the battle is, so we'll see. John, can you imagine being Mark Davis? You got out of Oakland. Uh, here yeah. in Nevada, we gave him, uh, in the end, with the roads included, we're going to give him over a, a billion dollars. He's got a brand-new stadium, and now with all this TV money and gambling, uh, mm-hmm. he, may, he, he, had the, uh, he had the lowest-valued team in the entire league, and it may be worth $8 billion. I know. It's, it's amazing to think how things have changed. and That's a good, good thing for Mark Davis for being able to be smart enough and take the offers that were there from uh, Vegas, the state, everything else, and be able to do that. John, we appreciate it. Uh, tell people that you, uh, I know you're still doing a show on 710, right, in Seattle, and then uh, you're also doing a podcast. Tell people about that. Yeah, it's called With the Professor, uh, and we have that on every week. You can find it just about everywhere. Also, uh, you know, writing columns for the Washington Post. Tomorrow I'm going to be posting one on the Tennessee Titans and how they have battled through this offseason. So lots of things going on. 104.3 is what I'm writing for in Denver. Thanks a lot, John. We appreciate it. Okay, thanks. There he is, NFL Insider, John Clayton. I will, I will continue to go back to some of the stories I've written about uh, Mark Davis and some of the meetings around uh, movement, you know, relocation, and the references to Mark Davis. Like, a lot of the owners are like, Mark, shut up. <laughs> like, just, you know, again, rumors, right? We weren't in the room. But just disrespecting him and the way this has turned out. You know, oh, yeah. That, that, you know, Sheldon Adelson was part of it. And it's like, you're not coming here unless I'm involved. Oh, is that right? And how it's worked out for Mark Davis. He got the money. He got the stadium. He's going to get the roads. And because it coincided with the explosion of sports gambling, that, that was that John was referencing a comment from, I think it was a pro football talk. And also Seth Wickersham from ESPN was mentioning, like, the money. Like, Seth Wickersham said what the Broncos could go for soon will make the Panther sale recently look like a small transaction. It's insane the amount of money that's flowing in and, and how much these, these values are and uh, and how you know wise it was of Mark Davis. Like there was so many opportunities where we look, we were looking and saying, well, he's gonna to have to sell, you know, a large portion of the team in order to make this all work and to, you know, fit it into place and to, you know, get all the favors done that need to be done. Uh, never happened. He just pushed forward and and uh, made Things work here in Las Vegas, and it's going to be very, very good for him and for the league in the future. Many Coopers. As many as he wants. As many as he wants. Visit lvsportsnetwork.com for access to the latest podcasts and best interviews.